Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we celebrate the triumphs of people who have overcome their own life's challenges and made our world better. People who have taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host. Thank you for joining me. Deborah, welcome to the Lemonade Stand. Super excited to get to know you and talk to you more today. So first, start by telling me three things about yourself. Well, I appreciate you having me here today. I'm, I'm grateful to be here as well. Uh, three things about me. Um, I'm a mom of two boys. Uh, they are 28 and 23. I love to bake and cook things from scratch um, with real butter, real sugar. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my name, I, I have a really close relationship with Mother Nature, which um, is kind of funny because my name, Deborah, means the bee. Like, so I'm sweet like honey. I'm sweet like honey until I have to pull out my stinger, basically. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. so great. I love it. I was going to say, we seem to have a lot in common here already. Well, good. Well, I'm excited to hear your lemon to lemonade story. So take me back. Tell me what happened. Well, so the lemon in my life is that uh, I was born into a very dysfunctional family. Um, my mother was a prostitute who had mental health issues. Um, the man who raised me was an outlaw biker who moved us over 33 times in order to evade the law. Um, at the by the age of 10, um, I was already smoking cigarettes, smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol too, uh, because that's what I was taught. And, and we don't know what we don't know. By the age of uh, 15, I had been sexually assaulted um, four times. Um, and that because I had no self worth, I was taught by um, the people who were supposed to be nurturing me. I was taught that the only worth that I basically had was between my legs and the men that I was meeting in my life um, validated that by taking what wasn't theirs to take. And so that kind of led me on a very dark uh, spiral down a very dark path. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Life was not ideal, but the, the beautiful thing is, is that now I, uh, I'm the executive director of blue sky thrivalist services, where I help women to thrive instead of survive after abuse, trauma, and addiction. Um, I am a certified mental health practitioner. I went back to school at the age of 39. Uh, I had a grade nine education and I, I went in thinking that, you know, I, I mean, I've been told my whole life I was stupid and good for nothing and worthless. And when you're told those things as a young girl, you believe them. Absolutely. And when people, yeah. And when people are validating that all around you, it, it's just, you know, the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence that says you have no worth, you have no value. And, and I believed it for, for almost 40 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what happened between 15 and 39? Uh, between 15 and 39, um, I was hanging out with really bad crowds. Um, there was a lot of human sex trafficking going on. 
my eldest son's father was a pimp. Um, I, you know, I grew up in that lifestyle. And so I was comfortable in it, not knowing that that was not right. Um, I always, you know, I always gravitated towards the, the people who would take advantage of someone in my situation. And so um, I do a lot of public speaking now. Uh, I have since 2010, because that's when I graduated from college. I, I graduated in 2010 from the mental health practitioner program. Um, and I graduated with honors. And it was the first time in my life that I ever uh, realized that the life that I had lived was not normal. And I started talking about it. And when I started talking about my life, people started listening. And it was the first time in my life that I ever realized that I had value between my ears, not between my legs. And that was a really, really beautiful epiphany for me because for the first time in my life, I was, I was helping people. I was mentoring other students. I, I felt smart. I felt powerful. I felt ways that I never thought I could feel. And, you know, I, I had my kids. Uh, I had my first son at 25. I had my second son at 30. I didn't have really good relationships with their fathers. Um, so I wasn't a, and because I didn't have, I didn't have a relationship with my, with my parents because at the age of 19, I sort of ripped myself away from that situation. It wasn't healthy. Uh, I had gone on a trip to the United States. Um, I was 19. It was the first time I'd been sober in over a decade. Um, and I really, really connected and got in touch with mother nature, who in my opinion is the only nurturing mother I ever had. And so I have a very, very close relationship with mother nature. Uh, you know, I had my kids. I, I wasn't a single parent. I was a solitary parent. I didn't have a mom and dad. I didn't have aunts and uncles for my children. I didn't have grandparents for them. I, I basically did it on my own without knowing how to be a nurturing parent. Something inside of me taught me how to be a nurturing parent. I, I think I tried to do everything opposite to what the people who raised me did. And so my children now are, as I said, 28 and 23, and we are best friends uh, as well as mom. You know, um, my kids tell me they love me on a daily basis, um, even though, you know, I'm empty nesting, they don't live with me anymore. But yeah, I, I have a really close relationship with my children, which is the only real goal that I had in life was to be able to teach them how to love themselves, how to be proud of who they are, no matter what anybody says, and how to follow their dreams, and how to actually have those dreams. Because up until the age of 40, I was just surviving. I, I didn't know life could existed unless I was at the bottom of a bottle. And so when I started school, um, I quit drinking. Um, I quit doing drugs. I quit associating with um, pimps and drug dealers and prostitutes. And I decided it was 
time for me to make a change. And so I, I made that change. And honestly, going back to school and learning that I had value and worth in this world and that my story was super powerful and not the norm. Um, it inspired me to do things like um, the first time I ever did public speaking was for the college that I graduated from. Uh, I spoke in front of 700 people about my life, uh, which was terrifying. And we raised just over a million dollars for scholarships for the college. And to me, uh, that was another big aha moment because it, it once again, showed me that my life is super, super powerful. So I went from that to standing on stages to writing my story. Um, I've, I've written and published three books so far. I'm working on number four and number five. And I, I get messages all the time from people who have said, oh my gosh, like I just got a message from a lady the other day who said, I, I started reading your second book, Deb, and she said, and um, I want to thank you for helping me to smile. And it makes me emotional because, you know, just knowing that I'm making people smile and making their lives um, a little bit better and, and giving them the tools to realize their worth and their value is honestly, it's the best gift in the world. And, you know, people say that, you know, I wish I could change this about my life. And I wish I could change that about my life. And I'm quite the opposite because I feel that if we change one second in that trajectory that we're on, then you alter everything else that comes after it. And so all of the bad things that happened have created an abundance of good things that are happening. Um, I'm, I'm currently in the process of starting a nonprofit organization slash charitable organization. I'm in the process of starting that uh, thrivalist community. I wanna be able to, to create communities across the globe where women can learn the tools that they need to succeed in life that I needed, but was never shown. And so giving them those coping skills, um, you know, um, teaching them how, as I said, to thrive instead of survive after childhood sexual abuse or exploitation. And, you know, I, I think that it's important for people to connect with nature. And so I want to have these communities out in nature. It's it, it would be a uh, a medium term um, facility for them to live in. So they would get their. Uh, I'd like to have a place where there's like a main um, home that's already built on some land, and then do tiny homes around them. So they would have their own living space. There would be 24 hour um, therapeutic care. There would be. Um, uh, financial information. Um, I don't have, I didn't have a healthy relationship with money. And so I have a financial advisor who is on my board of directors, who is going to do seminars, teaching them how to cook, teaching them how to um, garden, teaching them how to nurture their children, teaching them how to love themselves, teaching them banking, um, all of the things that 
I never had access to and really desperately needed. And so I want to be able to offer that. And I mean, anybody from 18 to 80, it doesn't matter. As, as long as you have survived and are still in that surviving mode after childhood sexual abuse or exploitation, um, if you're still surviving, we, we need to change that. We need to help you to thrive and, and share your story, you know, share, share the stories. To encourage know? others as well. Yeah. Right. 100%. Wow. Yeah. We, we all do better when we work together. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Can't do it. And I yourself. didn't realize that. <laughs> That's my gift to the world. And my past is that gift as well. So that's the lemonade, you know, the fact that I'm able to, as a 53 year old woman, be helping other women of all ages and men. I had men reach out to me. Um, One of my best friends reached out. He's now my best friend. I talk to him every day and he's a business partner of mine. He is a survivor of sexual assault and, and, you know, men don't talk about it. And so he wants to create a community where these young boys are feeling safe enough to discuss, to heal, and to help others to heal after that. And so the two of us together um, is, is quite the dynamic to have the women's perspective and the man's perspective. And I'm, I'm so super proud of him for you know, reaching out to me and um, starting his journey of helping others. I, I think we're both on an amazing path. Sounds incredible. Wow. Yeah. That you can take what you've learned and give such a gift to other people. That's the whole point. That's the lemons to lemonade. But I wanted to ask you, you just made this huge sudden change at 39 to decide to go to school and stop this lifestyle. Why so, would you all of a sudden decide it was enough? So what happened was um, I was working up to three jobs. I was a solitary parent. Um, I was um, dating dating uh, this man who I knew was, um, as he was, you know, escorting women. He had made jokes over the years, you know, oh, you know, I can help you with some money if you'd like, but you just have to help yourself. And I was always like, ha, 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 you're funny. Um, and a lady, uh, in the complex that I was living in was going to school and she would call me all the time. And she was like, you're so smart. You know, you, you use big words all the time. I was very, I was very well book read. I read a lot of books. That was my escape was reading. So I would read these, you know, books. And I mean, I would read the encyclopedias. I read dictionaries. Um, and so I was very word smart, I guess. And so she would always say, oh, you know, I have this project and I need your help. And I was always, I would always help her. And she'd come back and say, you know, I got a really good mark on my essay. Thank you so much for helping me. You know, you should, you should go down there and and get testing. And I was like, "Mm, no, I'm not really, no, school is not for me. And so um, he suggested again, you know, I, I can help you. You just have to help yourself. And at that point, um, it was around Christmas time, I was feeling desperate. I didn't have money for gifts for my children. I didn't have money for food for my children. And I didn't want them to 
go without like I had. Like I grew up in abject poverty. We used to go to the dump to gather things that we would need in our home. So other people's garbage was what we lived with. And I mean, we always lived in very rural areas um, away from everybody because the man who raised me was hiding from the law. So yeah, this, this man, he, he sang me a song uh, because I had agreed to do this one job for $500. So it goes like this, uh, Debbie-O, Debbie-O, my ho, my ho, we're going to make lots of dough, dough, dough. And for me, thankfully, that was a proverbial slap in my face. And I looked at him and it was the first time I actually saw him for who he was, not what I was needing in my life. And so, so I, uh, I looked at him, I said a few choice cuss words, uh, told him never to contact me again. I got out of his vehicle and I went into the house where my children were resting and I gathered them up and I cuddled them in bed. And I said, you know, Christmas might be a little hard this year, but it's okay. We're going to make it. And they were like, we don't care. You know, like we're here, we're family, we're happy. And I, I'm, I, I do believe that if I had gone on that one date, that one non-touching $500 date that I probably wouldn't be here today because I would be so deep by this point in the human sex trafficking world that um, there would be no going back and my children probably wouldn't have a mother. I, I, you know, I, I had quit my jobs to go back to school because I'd gone for testing. They said, you qualify for a grant. Uh, You are you know, you've got grade 11 to college level in some of these things. They suggested some programs. Um, so I decided on the mental health practitioner program uh, just because, you know, mental health was very important to me um, and having a strong sense of mental health was very important. Um, although I didn't know why, because I wasn't on a very good path. Thinking that I was going to get into school immediately, I quit all of my jobs got closer to Christmas, money got tighter. Uh, I was told there was an 18 month wait for me to get into school, which I didn't have money for 18 months of surviving with two children. Um, and, and the beautiful part about all of that, so that's the lemon, another lemonade is that although I was told there was an 18 month wait to get into school, about a week after I told this man, where to go and the quickest route to get there. Uh, I received a check and a letter in my mailbox saying, we have fast-tracked your application and here is a check for a very large sum of money to get you through until January. And so I only had December and January. And so my children and I had a very uh, amazing Christmas that year. Um, And I started school uh, the next month. It was just before my 40th birthday. So they say life begins at 40 and I'm living proof that it did. Yeah. Second chance. Totally. Second chance. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What an experience. I'm I'm grateful for the song, you know, because if he hadn't sang me the song, um, 
I, as I said, I probably wouldn't be here at this point. Which is so, so horrible. It was very horrible, but yeah, sometimes we need that smack in the face. Yeah. And his words smacked me in the face. And in doing that, it knocked his mask off of his face. And I was actually able to see him for the ugly human being that he was. Super so grateful. You got out of that situation. You were able to go to school, keep raising your kids while you went to school. You got the grant money. And now tell me about the Thrive community. Tell me what you are now the executive director of. This is your lemonade. So yeah, um, my, my big dream is to build 800 thrivalist homes where women are inspired to thrive instead of just survive after childhood sexual abuse or exploitation. I offer a a self-love guidance program, teaching women how to, how to love themselves and how to get past their past. And for me, that's a beautiful gift. I, I always say I did things really late in life. So in, and I believe that we should always push past our, you know, our glass ceiling. For me, I've always been afraid of uh, driving vehicles. So at the age of 52, I decided it was time to do something outside of the box, something that nobody would ever expect I would do. And uh, I started taking driving lessons. I was seeing a therapist who is, um, who has changed my life. Um, I was seeing her to deal with the grief of losing my little brother. Uh, Today is actually his birthday. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would have been his 44th birthday today. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm keeping myself busy today to honor him because I know he wouldn't want me to be sad. Right. Um, it is still very hard. It's only been uh, two years since he's passed. He came into my life when I was 11. Um, he was the first human who ever showed me love. Someone in the provincial government of Alberta thought that um, although uh, my parents were not, should not have been parents, um, they decided that my parents were healthy enough to have foster children. Yes. (laughs) And not just, not just foster children, but handicapped foster children. Oh, goodness. So at the age of 11, I was raising these children who were special needs, um, Down syndrome, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, but the one boy, uh, he was 18 months old. Uh, we were told by the social worker that came to see us that he had cerebral palsy and epilepsy and that his his biological parents were brother and sister. So there were some genetic um, things there as well. And to give him quality of life because quantity was probably not an option. And I was thinking, you're putting him in my house to give him quality of life. The beautiful thing about that is he did get that quality of life because I was there and I had never felt love before. And so for me to have this unconditional love by these children who nobody wanted, I knew how that felt because 
didn't feel wanted. I wasn't wanted. I, I wasn't loved. I wasn't nurtured. I basically became a caregiver and the re most responsible person in the household from the time I fell out of the womb. So at the age of 11, to have this boy come into my life, it was super special. And I do believe that he saved my life. I, by the time I was 11, I'd already been sexually assaulted three times. Um, abuse was very prevalent in my house. And, and, uh, and I write about those things candidly in my books. And, I, and I've done it in a trilogy because the first book I wrote was um, my whole story from start to finish. And people were like, mm, I don't know, Deb, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. You know, like I had to put it down. I couldn't read it. It was too much. And so I decided to break it up into a trilogy. So I did like the first 20 years in the first book and then this next 20 years. And, this, and right now I'm in the process of writing up to now um, and getting my driver's license and buying my first car at the age of 53. Like who does that? Nobody. But I think that um, I think we have to do things outside of our comfort zone in order to remind us that we're, we're human. <laughs> we're living. We need to live. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, can, I do not know how I survived. I've only had my driver's license since March 9th. And I, I don't know how I lived without it. Yeah. Whole new freedom that you didn't even know was out there. Wow. Exactly. Good yeah. for you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm grateful. Yeah. Super grateful every day. And I think that's a huge part of healing is um, offering forgiveness, especially to yourself. Absolutely. I did nothing wrong. And, and I forgive anything that I've ever done or said, or, you know, I forgive the people who have not nurtured me in my life. I don't have those people in my life. I've, I've forgiven. I'll never forget. But I think that those forgiveness of yourself, of the people who have harmed you, and then having that gratitude and, and thinking of things as they, these things happen for me instead of to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that mind shift is really the key ingredient yes. to, to thriving in life instead of just surviving. That is the sugar to your lemonade. You have to realize that it is done for you, which is so hard in the moment. It's definitely something you should be able to look back on and be like, okay, that was for me. And a lot of times, if you want to look at it as, like you said, things not to do, like if that's the way you have to start to look at things for you is go, oh, good. Okay. My parents taught me everything not to do. So I have right. that starting place. So whatever we have to do to look at things that happen to us as things that happen for us so we can better ourselves for whatever we've been through. That's 100%. The, that's the sugar to the lemonade. That's what it's all 100%, about. 100% the sugar. Yep. Yeah. And I like my stuff sweet. So <laughs> pile on that sugar, baby. Pile <laughs> on that sugar. Yeah. I, and I have been, you know, and, and I do feel that um, starting the, these communities um, for, for women in need um, is definitely going to be adding a lot of sugar to my lemonade. Yeah. Yeah. As you serve and help others, it can't help, but lift you and bring you more goodness to your life. So Absolutely. that's the key to it too, is you can go through all these things like you experienced and you could just keep it to yourself. You could stay down that path. You could be miserable and be totally justified in that way. 
Like you'd be totally excused to be like that. But instead you did that switch. You pivoted at 39 and you decided there was a better life and you took charge of it and you took charge of your life and you found the goodness, the sweetness in it. And now not only did you do that, but now you're trying to pass it on to everybody else. You Mm -hmm. want to share the goodness you've learned. And that's amazing. That's so inspiring. So thank you. Thank you. you. As I I tell people all the time, I I should have been a statistic, but I'm not. And my, my goal in life is to help other people realize that they have their potential as well. Yes. And vast potential. That's an amazing goal. I love it. I think final thoughts are just, we all have a thrivalist inside of us. Um, You just have to love them and nurture them enough to let them come out. And we all have worth and you're, no one is ever alone. And if you feel alone, please reach out to me. I would, I would absolutely love to make that connection. Um, My website is www.deborahkaniski.com. So D-E-B-O-R-A-H-K-I-N-I-S-K-Y.com, deborahkaniski.com. It shares everything. You can download the first chapter of my book there for free. There's a a beautiful um, daily mantra that I speak every day um, that you can uh, download on there just to give yourself a little bit of a a pep talk. Uh, I think that, you know, positive self-talk is very important um, in the healing journey. And so those are available on my website. I love how you're learning all this stuff and passing it on. That's the biggest key. So yeah. thank you for well, it's that. It's never too late. <laughs> no, it's, it's never not. too late to learn. If you can get a driver's license at 52, then there is any the in world... the dead of winter. Let yeah. me tell you, in the dead of winter, I did it. <laughs> That's amazing. Canada, we have six feet of snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, and and I did it because I know we have. It's a joke, but we have eight months of winter. It's it's not really eight months of winter, but I, I wanted to be able to. Um, do it in the harshest of climates and, and push myself to do that. So, yep. yeah. yeah, that's definitely your personality. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to learn the hardest way. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I can help other people. That's great. 100%. It just yes. gives you more strength. So, that's amazing. Now I'm on the easy path. This is the easy <laughs> stuff. Goodness. Yeah, this is the easiest stuff. Based on the life that I've lived, this, uh, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a, a health, the healthiest relationship I've ever been with. Um, I've been with my partner for, oh my gosh, in August, it'll be 12 years. Um, he met me just as I was transitioning into school. Um, so he got the sober version of me. He knows everything about my life and, and still loves me. And, um, and I tell him every day, like, I don't know how I love you more every day, even 12 years in, I'm still like madly in love with this man. So for me to say that after my past is, is quite miraculous. And, you know, a lot of people 12 years in uh, are not even friends, (laughs) let alone, you know, still madly in love. So Mm. yeah, super blessed and grateful. Yeah. Well, this is amazing. I've learned so much. So thank you for sharing who you are and what you've been through to be able to help other people. That's what it's all about. And I really appreciate and admire that about you. So thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I love it. You're still here? Well, then click on the next episode to hear more of Heidi's Lemonade Stand. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Thanks.